Welcome to Jennifer Meets North of Love with Katie and Nalani, a podcast for moms by moms where we guide women to explore the world around and within them through real conversations with real moms. With seven children between the two of us, we fully understand the trials and triumphs of motherhood. We also know firsthand the spaces that are lacking and where moms need more support, education, and encouragement. We are here to fill in that gap. We're so excited you're here and look forward to building a beautiful community with you. And if you're really digging the content we're sharing, then don't forget to hit the subscribe button and to share on your favorite social media. Let's get to it. All right. Welcome back to this week's episode. This week, we have Rochelle Peters. She's the owner of Misfit Academy. Misfit Academy is a place where everyone fits in. If you feel like you don't belong, you will here. This is a place for everyone who wants to change their life emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. A place where you will get the support and love you need in your health journey. Rochelle is married to the love of her life, who is a first responder. They have two little boys, Christopher and Evan, and they also have two German Shepherd dogs, Hank and Callie. Their youngest son, son was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 10 months old. Rochelle is in the last year of her personal fitness training diploma from Nate. She's a dog groomer, a trick dog instructor, an artist, and a badass obstacle course racer, completing over 27 races. Rochelle wants to show women that they can do anything they want with the right love, guidance, and support. So welcome, Rochelle. Hi. (laughs) And also, guys, we do want to add a little bit of a disclaimer at the beginning of this week's episode. There will be discussions of domestic violence um, and abuse, so... We just want to make sure that we put that out there for everyone who feels like they might not be able to handle that right now. So yeah, um, we're super excited to have you here and to to. He's extra special because you. she's Nolani's sister-in-law. Yeah, yes. to mention that. <laughs> yes, she is. She's also my. Keep sister-in-law. it in the family. Yeah, yeah extra badass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're excited to hear more about your story and. And maybe we can just let you jump in and sort of introduce yourself in any other way that you that you would want to tell everybody about. Um, I'm 35 and I live in the Duke area with yeah. my boys and my husband. Um, my husband is a first responder in Edmonton um, and he works in the Duke too on the uh, ambulance and fire now. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case he wasn't busy enough, right? I know. I'm kind of hoping he does one of those calendars. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So uh, we'll just jump into the questions that we had for you, Rochelle. Um, so in order to appreciate the now that you're in, could we rewind a little bit and talk about how you moved from what you were doing career-wise um, and then what led you to fitness now? Yeah. So I was work I was working in a sawmill from when I was 20 till I think for seven and a half years. Um, and I was a dog groomer, trick dog instructor, I was the first Canadian to be certified. And um I, I always am a firm believer that life kind of like pushes you in a certain direction and that things happen for a reason, right? Yeah. And I'm such a firm, firm believer. I'm a firm believer that I was meant to meet Colin and that life has like directed me in this direction for a specific reason. And I feel that it's for a greater purpose. Absolutely. Um, I was working part-time at a grooming 
well, can I, I guess. <laughs> and I ended up meeting a personal trainer there, uh, Karen, and she had brought in her rescues. And uh, we got chatting and she and I started exchanging um, services. So I'd help her daughter do trick dog instructing. And she ended up going to the West Ed to perform in front of thousands of people. <laughs> no way. And I would work out with her. And I, it was so weird because I hated working out at that time. And then <laughs> it kept coming back. That's shocking. For sure. I know. <laughs> to work out. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, there's hope for all of us. There's hope. <laughs> no, I hated it. I remember the first time working out with her, she made me do incline push ups and I'm almost threw up. <laughs> <laughs> but the more I did it and the more um I started working out at home and doing more things the more stronger I got and it was just like I f absolutely fell in love with becoming stronger and then I kind of like fully went head over heels for it and it just kept coming back to me all the time and then at that stage in my life I kind of put dog training and trick training on the side and went full tilt with training training Right. And I remember the first time that I could run a 5k like full tilt <laughs> faster than the dogs. <laughs> and I felt amazing. It was the most amazing feeling I've ever gotten in my life. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> and also like this just popped into my mind, but were you not also a gymnastics coach? Yes. I helped with gymnastics for a bit and it just, it breaks my heart to see these amazing gymnasts doing yeah. like they're supposed to be able to do double back handsprings and they can't even do a push up. Right. What, what are you doing here? You're going to yeah. get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I loved working with these girls. Um, they were absolutely amazing to work with. But at that time, you have to educate them that life is not sunshine and rainbows and right. Right. It's real work. People yeah. don't care if your tummy hurts. You still got to go to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you feel like, like there was like a, do you feel there's a similarity between like training? I mean, this is crazy to say, but like training animals, dogs and stuff and training people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are a lot harder because they're a little bit more stubborn, but dogs, <laughs> dogs want to work so much. Like they will do anything that they can to please you and they can pick up things so quickly. It's crazy the things right. that you can teach them in such a short amount of time. Um, yeah, I'm still stuck on the sawmill thing. I'm like, sawmill <laughs> fitness. Like, <laughs> like this is such a jump. I know. I know. I, as much as uh, I like, when you go work in a like a factory setting, you kind of feel like you're in prison. <laughs> yeah. But I loved doing a man's job. And being a woman, you feel incredibly empowered. It doesn't, it comes with its hardships because you have to work with 18 men that they don't want you there, right? right? And you need to prove yourself, but you also need to not take any crap from any of them. And mm -hmm. if they're going to be rude or ignorant or anything, you need to dish it back. Mm -hmm. And most of them knew their place <laughs> real quick. Ooh, that gives me like the goosebumps to think about like. <laughs> I, was I never the first female that made it into the log pit side in 17 years and I worked my butt off to get there yeah shit so you're girl. just a hard worker she's yeah. just like yeah. determined challenge accepted yes 100 yes. <laughs> percent. 
So every career you've had focuses on compassion and bettering yourself, but there were dark periods in your life. Can you share some about those, including your domestic abuse, abusive relationship and how you found compassion for yourself to leave? I know that's like a big jump from like sawmill <laughs> to dog grooming into that, but um, I think it, uh, it's in a very important one. Um, I think that what had happened in my like younger years has like paved the way and how I am and how I work and how I step my business and how I treat people because I know what it's like to be treated like crap. Yeah. Ooh. At such a young age, you don't really realize the impact a person has on you and you're in a situation like that and I hope my boys will never ever experience something like that ever I hope that my story will be able to help another person not go through that and have the courage to leave and know that they did not do anything wrong at all. Um, I met this man when I was 16. He was 20. And at the start, it was really good. It was fine. My parents did not like him at all. Um, they seen a lot of red flags that I didn't see at that time. And now I, I see a lot of red flags. Right. I see um, a lot of... I can't believe that I even fell for it scenarios, right? Yeah. Um, the first red flag was we got in an argument and I was still in high school. I was still very young. Yeah. Um, and we got in an argument on the phone and I hung up and he grounded me to the house, to my home. I was not allowed to go out and he was going to go away for the weekend with his friends. And I told my mom and my mom's like, I'm glad you didn't go you need to stay at home. Like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Right. But at 16, I'm like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Every 16 year old ever. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And every mom always like, I feel like moms just know, you know, yeah. like even with like friends, you're like, oh, like I remember my mom saying that so many times with friends that. Yeah. If I remember having this listen. conversation with Lena too. And I told her, I'm like, your dad does not like your boyfriend. Get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> If I don't like him, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. She's like, don't worry. It's okay, auntie. I won't fall for that. No. Um, but I'm sure you didn't think you would fall for it either. Exactly. No. Um, and I've had many discussions because I go to therapy for all of this. Uh, and it's caused so I like it. I was having major issues with things I started noticing after when I didn't start to notice things until me and Colin moved away from home. And I was by myself quite a bit. Um, I didn't have any friends or family when we moved. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing a lot of things like asking him simple things. Can I go buy something? Um, even wanting to go to school. I was terrified to ask him anything because I thought I would play these like scenarios over in my head of the past conversations that were going on. And thinking of ways he's going to come and react negatively to me. Right. And I remember having that conversation with him and he's like, Rochelle, have I ever said any of those things to you? And I said, no. And he's like, then what are you afraid of? He's like, I'm, I'm not 
gonna I'm, I don't, will not treat you that way I never have and I never will um and we've been together for 10 years and it's still hard for me to ask him things and I know that every time I ask him stuff I never get that voice in my head that he's gonna say something negative to me yeah right um we when I, I ended up spending eight years with this man um I lived with them for a while uh I caught him cheating and the scenario went like what the heck is going on to this is your fault I did this because you you provoked it now I'm gonna move out and what are you gonna do now you're gonna have to pay all your bills uh and mine now because I'm leaving he completely switched the whole entire scenario onto me um I got really sick when I was 16 and um, it, I ended up paralyzing my face and I was having a lot of medical issues at that time. And it kept coming back uh, and switching sides of my face. So I was going in for tons of treatment. Um, my stepdad would take me to all my appointments. Um, we had to get checked for MS, heart disease, heart blood clotting stuff. I had to have brain scans, like you name it. They did every single test to figure out what was going on. Um, and they still didn't really figure out what it was. But at that time, I wasn't, I was taking a ton of medication to help with getting the motor functions back in my face. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm getting pregnant. And I remember that conversation so vividly. Because he said it so calmly to me. Because he stroked my face and he's like, I know that, that this is what you want. But if you don't do what I want you to do, then I am going to find a way to either throw you down the stairs or I will drag you to that appointment. But his he was so calm and convincing that I even fucking fell for it. Um, And I still stayed. And I ended up, um, my mom ended up buying me my first dog then. That dog saved my life. Um, he was a little wiener dog. No, Lenny ended up taking him when he was really old. But he was like my little baby that I could take care of. And, uh. He would sleep with me. He would come everywhere with me that I can take him. He had like the worst breath in the world. <laughs> but he was like the sweetest little thing in the world. He would go running with me. And I would take that thing everywhere I could. Yeah. And when, as he got older, I wish I could have kept him. But it, it just wasn't in it for us to, to stay together. He needed to live with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it uh, was not the easiest situations to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, there was so many incidents. And then um, I ended up having enough. He ended up pushing every single person that I had in my life away. I didn't go to my grad party. He made me leave early. I didn't go to my grad camp out. I ended up losing every single one of my friends because he completely alienated me from them. Right. He would tell me if I wanted to go hang out with people, Rochelle, 
These people are shit. And if you hang out with shit, you'll become shit. You just need my friends. You don't need any of these people. Right. And I fell for it. I was so lonely towards the end because I literally had no one. I didn't even have my mom. Um, I was going to say, like, he also alienated you against your family as well, right? Yeah. I, the only first, like, family member I still had somewhat in my life was uh, my brother Dustin. Yeah. Um, and even then, he was, like, trying everything he could to push him away. Right. Right. Um, it was bad. It was really bad. I remember on my days off, I would just sit in the dark for hours, just watching TV, laying on the couch and not doing a thing. I wouldn't eat all day. If I did go out, I would hang out with the dogs and that was it. I had nobody. And I finally just, it would be to the point where I didn't even want to come home. Yeah. I would be like, I, I wanted to hurt myself because I didn't want, um, I didn't want that life anymore. I didn't want him to touch me. I didn't mm-hmm. want him anywhere near me anymore. And right. I finally just had enough. Yeah. Um, and then I got the courage and whatnot. It was my stepdad who got me talking to my, to my mom. Yeah. And um, I ended up going to my brother's wedding. And that's what started me talking with her again. And since then, our relationship has been like, so close knit. I have yeah. not fought with my mom since ever. I don't argue with her at all. Right. Right. She's my like emotional support when I need it. Um, if I don't, if I didn't have her there, I don't know if I would have left. Right. Yeah. And then I finally just packed my stuff up and that was it. No more, no more of this crap right. at all. So I think Rochelle, like, I mean, first of all, I want to say, like, I just, I think you're so brave for sharing your story. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> so um, to look at you now is incredible to see what you've built um, from that. And I mean, you're such an intelligent and strong person that it would be easy for people to look at you and think, how did she get, how did you fall for it? If that's the way you want to put it, right? But the reality is like you're groomed slowly over time. Yep. Um, I guess, do you have any advice for people out there that feel like they might be in that position right now? Whatever you do, don't get rid of your close friends or your family. You have to keep them around. Mm-hmm. If it's going to come to the point where they're saying you can't talk to your parents, right. that's an issue right there. You need your family no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think you had spoke a little bit about like, he even chose like your clothing for you. Yeah. I remember getting grounded for buying a dress he didn't want me to buy. Uh, I bought this and I still have it. And I absolutely love this dress. <laughs> and I will I love that you still have it. <laughs> and it was uh, this very fitted, low cut, um, like, zebra printed dress and I fell in love with it and I bought it and I got in trouble and I wasn't allowed to go out to dinner um yeah if I I wanted this uh I remember wanting this uh, brown top it was just a t-shirt top it was really cute and I remember wanting going to show it to him at one of the clothing stores I worked at and the clerk there was with us 
And she was also the manager. And I remember the two of them getting into an argument because he wouldn't let me buy this shirt. Shit. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I remember so many scenarios and stuff. And um, my like Morgan was a little bit young for all of this, but Dusty was uh, more so the one that was like my protector because right. he, he's, he's seen all of it. Yeah. He was there for the the most of it. And uh, if I ever had like an issue or whatnot, he'd be there in like seconds. It didn't right. matter uh, to defuse the situation or uh, let me be able to leave. And then right. he would like take over. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that my brothers always feel like they didn't do enough, but they did. They, they helped more than they, than they know that they did in those situations yeah well it's just having someone that you know loves you right like truly loves you because at the time if you're going through something domestic it feels like what they're doing is out of love for you until yeah. you realize that it's not right yeah. so and I always like would see like I, I replay all these things in my head that was said to me and um and I'm like this person was supposed to love me but yet they're saying all of these like horrible things like you're not good enough if you leave you're gonna be crap without me I made your life the way it is um like you're stupid why would you want to go to school I even remember um listening to this song and I absolutely fell in love with this song I'm like oh listen to this song this is such a good song and he's like why the fuck would you like that like are you that dumb he's like that's a terrible song and I was like completely like dumbfounded that I just deleted the song yeah it was probably yeah the most vivid uh, I can't even describe that feeling right yeah so it, it causes though flashbacks almost right like yeah uh I I get them more now later on now especially since I've been doing so much of my own self-healing and work on myself Right. for so long then I remember these things and then I'll sit and talk to Colin about it and Colin be like like what the hell are you yeah saying? I'm like because you don't you don't see it right and I had like so much trauma even prior to that that when you're told by one person that you're crap and you're not good enough and then you get told by another person that's supposed to love you that you're crap you believe it and it's really hard to get out of that mentality. Yeah. yeah. Well, you really are. You're trained to, to behave the way they want you to behave, right? Yeah. So was there like a, a moment where it was like, this is it? Like, was there something that triggered, like, I absolutely have to leave? Or where, did it build up over time? It was building up. And then I met Colin. <laughs> just like the knight and shining hero or oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> I've only I've met him like in passing a few times I think one was at like a wedding I feel like we were bartending a wedding and Colin just looks so nice like when you see him you're like that's a nice guy like you yeah. know like some people are like he just looks so kind and like sweet right. <laughs> he is the most kind and compassionate person he puts up with my crap <laughs> so much <laughs> don't they all like yeah. don't they all yeah once 100%. I left this relationship and most people are in that fight or flight mode right mm -hmm. and once I left I was like I am not letting no man 
do anything like that again to me. So I was in like fight mode, like this is not happening. And as soon as like somebody would be rude, I'd be like, "Ah!" (laughs) (laughs) no. (laughs) And he's like, Hey, it's okay. (laughs) Calm down. Right. Like these were other signs that I was starting to notice that I have to like take a step back and be like, Kate, you have to calm down. And you, and not everybody is going to hurt you. Right. You don't Mm -hmm. need to be, uh, in that fight mode all the time. Right. Yeah. Such good advice. (laughs) Um, so I know you touched a little bit on your first pregnancy and, and that experience, but, um, how do you feel that that's shaped you and, uh, as well as like the mother that you've become now and, and any advice you would have for women facing that tough decisions themselves? Um, before I met Colin, I didn't even want children. I was like, this is not happening. And I think it was just because of the relationship. I was right. like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. No. And this is why I just ended up collecting more dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I've calmed down on that. I don't do that no more. (laughs) Um, But I knew like Colin was like super strict about like, I don't want babies unless we're married. Like I, like this is one rule I want to make sure is like, like that that he, we had to be married before we had babies and and he wanted to have uh, Christopher before I was ready. And I'm like, no, I'm not ready yet. (laughs) Not, not ready yet. (laughs) And then when I ended up moving, when we moved down south, then I'm like, okay, yeah, let's, let's try this. And the look on his face, <laughs> when we found out we were actually pregnant was priceless. Because <laughs> he didn't think it was going to happen that fast. And he's like, uh, and he like looked at, <laughs> he looked at the pregnancy test for a good, like 20 minutes, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I think that me waiting till I was much older, I had a lot more patience and right. whatnot. Uh, Christopher was so easy. He was such yeah. an easy baby. He had an angry look on his face all the time <laughs> for the first three weeks. But after that, it was like, any way he can make you laugh, he will. Yeah. He is such a sweet soul. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He has to be like the loudest person in the room and make every single person laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Who does he get that from? No. Uh, I don't, definitely not his dad. (laughs) His dad, but he is all me. Yeah. (laughs) Mom, let's go for a 5K run. Okay, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cute. Yeah. Do you feel like, you know, when you were in your domestic abuse relationship and obviously had a pregnancy and stuff then, do you feel like that affected the way you looked at pregnancy or your boys now? Um, it made me not take it for granted. Um, I know that if I um, did have that first pregnancy, um, that baby would have been very sick. Mm-hmm. I was very, very sick at that time. Um, I was like losing all taste. I couldn't taste food. I was losing right. sensation in my hands and my feet. Plus all of, they thought I like even had cancer. Like they wow. were really concerned. Do you think it was and like I, stress related? Like with. The they're not sure. Um, I had strep throat really bad just before uh, this happened. Okay. And 
it was a really, really bad form of strep. And they put me on penicillin. And even this is when my antibiotics and allergic reactions started to happen too. Um, So I was taking penicillin then. And my mom looked at my face. She's like, "Um," so my dad come in and he's like, "Uh, you need to stop taking that. We got to go to the hospital. He thought I was having a stroke because the whole side of my face like literally fell. Like I couldn't move it at all. Uh, luckily the doctor at the hospital, her dad had the same thing. So he, she knew right away what it was. And I had to go on steroid treatment right away. Mm-hmm. Um, it took two months for the feeling and mo- like mobility to come back. And luckily I don't have significant permanent damage. I do have some, but not a lot. And if I do get sick with a cold or strep again, I'll start to lose sensation in my face and, um, my tongue. I won't be able to taste or smell. Wow. Yeah. And it was like Bell's Bell's palsy, was it? Yeah. Okay. Usually you don't see it in such young ages. Right. Right. And they never heard of it switching sides of the face and happening mm-hmm. multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just stopped out of nowhere. I didn't get it again. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So, yeah, yeah that would have been an awful, awful. I can't imagine the stress you were under at that point. And you would think that like kids at school would have been bad. They were actually more supportive, more loving than adults were when I went through that. And like, I remember one of the, my classmates, cause I kept hiding my face and he's like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to hide. He's like, it, it happened. It will go away and it will be okay. Wow. And for a 16 or a 17 year old guy to tell me that in school is pretty good. Right. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. amazing. um i'm still i'm just like whoa i I know it's my turn to ask a question no i know i I also am like take some deep breaths (laughs) i know i'm curious i'm just curious with the bells when did it stop were you still Um, in the relationship when you stopped no i'm not trying to diagnose you or anything i'm just curious yeah it stopped when i was still in this relationship okay yeah i was like that'd be crazy if it stopped after you were out of that relationship yeah yeah well and stress and like those situations does do crazy incredible things to your body too yes they said it could be like viral infections stress smoking can cause it right um even like too much air conditioning if you're driving for long periods of time air conditioning on your face can really yeah yeah, it's crazy. Like some of the stuff that I've heard with it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. So you've talked a little bit about Colin and your guys's love story. Could you tell us a bit more, like how you guys met and like how that helped you heal from? <laughs> He's gonna hate me when I told this story. But <laughs> if anybody knows my husband, <laughs> no, Colin is very like he can be very shy and reserved unless he has a few drinks in him. <laughs> Then the party animal comes out. <laughs> um, I so did you out. meet him in the party animal stage? Or? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, if he wasn't, I don't think he would ever come and talk to me. And like, we worked together. And every time he would come near me, he'd be like red. Like, he would oh. turn so red. <laughs> he doesn't get like uh, shy or embarrassed anymore because the, especially with his job. Right. <laughs> ask like the most awkward questions of all (laughs) I would imagine yeah um but we ended up going out and he was 
very intoxicated. And he puts his arm around me and he's like, let's, let's go play some pool. And I don't, I don't play pool. I know you hit the ball. It goes in the hole. That's it. I don't know the logistics of this game. <laughs> so I'm like hitting whatever. And then he comes over and he puts his arm around me and he says, uh, Rochelle, if you want to touch my balls, you have to tell me you want to touch my balls. <laughs> And I told him that the next day, and he's like, what? I said, what? (laughs) I love it. Yeah, ever since then, like, uh, since the day I, like, hugged that man, I felt at home. He felt so safe. He felt that is, like, exactly where I was supposed to be, like, when they say like people always like say like that person's that my soulmate no like Colin is a hundred percent my soulmate he's meant to be with me and I feel like we've known each other like like internally I feel like we've known each other for like years yeah and, like especially like in past lives and stuff like that I always yeah. felt like that yeah. um I felt like I was supposed to meet him and I was he was like supposed to be there right yeah was he like safe did he feel safe to you yeah he's always felt safe like no matter what where I am did that feel like from a previous like unsafe relationship it felt like like huge weight was like lifted off my shoulders like I didn't have to worry anymore about anything because he was gonna be there (laughs) do you do you believe that like you both helped to heal each other yeah, when we met, we both were both in like dark places. Right. Like big time. Um, even Colin was and he was going on through his own stuff. And I just kept like appearing. <laughs> Be like, hey. <laughs> I'm gonna stalk you. I wanna touch your balls. Yeah. <laughs> this is the time. I wanna touch your balls. <laughs> I like the more we would hang out, uh, he would make me laugh so much to the point we would be like both on the floor. You can't even like breathe <laughs> that we're laughing so much. Um, we would take these like road trips and stuff. And then we just like both bust out the same stuff <laughs> or like make up our own words and stuff. Yeah. He was, he was so much fun to be around. Um, yeah. yeah. Sounds and like I- so like light. Compared yeah. to like you talking about your past relationship and then yeah. like going into something so like light and fun and safe. And- yeah. Yeah. I even, um, he even, when I, he was going to ask me to marry him, he went and asked both my dads. Um, and I remember Richard saying, well, I'm not really her dad. He's like, but Colin said, but Rochelle sees you that way. And it's only out of respect that I ask you to. Mm. And seriously, that made my heart like... I knew that he was like the right person for me, for him to notice that. Yeah. That he actually sees you. Yeah. Cause the only other man in my life that makes me feel safe is my stepdad. Um, when he came into our life, um, I knew that we were going to be fine and we were going to be safe and nothing else would happen again to us. And that he would keep my mom safe. Um, he's a very special person. Yeah. I don't even think he realizes that, even though he's like this big macho man that doesn't like to show that he 
loves so unconditionally. Right? Yeah. 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 He's a teddy bear. Oh, he's, he is very much. And he's got <laughs> such a funny sense of humor. <laughs> 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 a crude one. <laughs> I've been around Those so the long that I understand his jokes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like a crude sense of humor. That's like I have like a mean sense of humor, and sometimes people are like. But then when you find the people that actually get it, I'm like, no, I like them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like throw it right back at me. Yeah. So, uh, can you tell us like what is it like to be a wife of a first responder? Um, it is not for. The lighthearted, that's for sure. Um, being a first responder is very scary. And people just think it's like car accidents and gunshots and stuff. <laughs> and it's not. The things that Colin sees on a day-to-day basis is, I, I'll be like, he'll come home and I want to decompress. And I'm talking about my day of wiping bums and <laughs> breaking up fights and like having disputes over an iPad <laughs> or cleaning up blocks. And he's like, Oh yeah, I had like, it was just a normal day. I'm like, Oh, what'd you do? He's like, Oh, I had a cardiac arrest. I had a gunshot. I had a, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm complaining about blocks and you're having that. He's like, Oh, it's just a normal day. <laughs> yeah. And to me, that's, it's it's not and so many people have blinders on to what the real world is like yeah um I try to make sure that I'm very compassionate to Colin when he comes home and not have a crazy house right he needs to come home to calm I know that when he comes home he needs to go to sleep he needs yeah. that sleep because this job is not just for him he needs to keep other people alive and right. Um, it's very mentally and emotionally draining on people. Right. And like, even for his partner, like these guys are put into such scary situations and sometimes police can't always come because calls are so backed up. Right. Um, I think people need to understand that this is like the stress that is put on first responders is out of this world. And to do this job takes uh, a huge heart and understanding because I was going to be when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do for school I was going to choose being doing a uh, paramedicine and I'm very very glad I didn't because emotionally and mentally there's no way I'd I would want to bring home all the babies and yeah. save everybody and um yeah. I don't think I would have been able to handle seeing the things that he sees every day the way he does <clears throat> I yeah, I was going to, yeah, it really takes a special person because like, I feel like most of us, we would see one of those scenarios and it would give us enough anxiety to be in therapy for a year. And these guys and women are doing it day in and day out. And yeah, yeah it's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, it, t- it takes strength on your part too, to be able to yeah, support sure. him through that. I always have yeah. to be like on my own like radar, making sure that he's decompressing and talking about this stuff and we try to make sure we talk about it on our alone time so that he can and if he can't talk to me to making sure he is going getting into therapy to go even if he's not in a state where he thinks he's going to have ptsd or anything like that right um that um we want to make sure we're setting up all of that stuff before it happens right and i know that there's lots of things he cannot talk to me about and he says like I don't want to bring my work home. And he asked me to, when I said I wanted to do other nursing or paramedicine, he come home and he's like, can you please not, not do this? 
he's like, because I don't want us both to come home to the same scenarios and the same stuff. He's like, I want to come home to somebody to normalcy. Yes. And I always, uh, he has a very hard time wanting to go out into public because he sees the worst of the worst of people. He gets, they get treated like crap. They get coffee thrown in their face. They get punched, kicked, slapped, (sighs) spit at, like you name it. They are abused so badly by people. It's, it's, they do not make enough money whatsoever for the job that they have to do. Yeah. 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 It is a very difficult job. And then I always worry like when there's big incidents going on in the city and I'm like, are you okay? (laughs) And then I'm not hearing for him and I'm like, okay, am I going to get a phone call one day or like police going to come to my house and tell me my husband was killed at work or like my anxiety keeps going up. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I can't imagine like Will works in the car industry and when he's driving home, I'm like, oh my gosh, like he didn't tell me he was coming home yet. Like I can't. And that's like (laughs) driving from like an office to home. Like I can't imagine the anxiety that that would bring for you. For sure. Yeah. And like, that like some of these situations are just absolutely terrifying but I know that he takes his job very seriously and he's always making sure he's safe and whatnot and there uh, are days that he's working alone because mm-hmm. um, he gets put on so they have regular ambulances with a paramedic and a EMT right so EMTs will have less scope of practice than an actual advanced care paramedic um Colin is an advanced care paramedic so he can work on uh what they call PRU so it's just like the little SUV that drives around and they go help with like serious calls if they need backup or Mm -hmm. extra hands or whatnot so he goes to those types of calls but then he doesn't have to go and do the hospital waits and stuff like that okay I didn't even know that that's really I didn't know that either that's I was always wondering what those EMS like you know, yeah. SUVs were. No, I know. Yeah. They sound really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so taking a bit of a jump here, but how do you feel that fitness has impacted your uh, journey in motherhood? Um, I think fitness has definitely, I knew that before we had kids, I told, I remember having this conversation with Colin and I said, it, we had so many issues with health and our family and stuff. And I said, if I don't change my own way how am I going to change like how am I going to raise these little kids to live a different life right like I need to set the path for myself I need to lead by example for them and that was always my biggest motivation and Christopher would come to the gym with me at like 4 a.m before work and he'd be like in his little bucket seat playing away and I'd be working out or he'd be doing tummy time um and come with me and the gym aspect has been such a norm in his life that <laughs> he he has to be strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that I it set us uh me making that change set us up for what was like really to come. And I'm glad it did because I had the prior knowledge. I knew what I was doing and um it was like the big jump to even go back to school was them like the kids mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um and like I would I, I was someone that couldn't afford a personal trainer so I would be online all the time researching different things I'm a very kinetic person so I can watch somebody do something and I can like copy the movement <laughs> like yeah. and I'm like super diligent about my form and stuff so um 
I understand what it's like to not be able to afford to have a, somebody to guide you or know what to do. So I did every single research I could, uh, taught myself how to eat. I taught myself how to track macros and I made mistakes and I went back and like I had trial and error so much. Right. Yeah. I, I love that you touched on that because not everybody can, not everyone has access to that, but everyone deserves to be healthy and know how to care for their own bodies. Absolutely. Every ber- person deserves to be able to walk in a gym and feel comfortable in the gym. Mm-hmm. Nobody should ever, ever, ever feel intimidated by the gym by anybody. And if they are, they are come to me, I'll come and put you under my wing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> if someone is being mean to you, you come talk to me because I'll be whooping some ass. <laughs> have to skip down the question just because I feel like this one is really um relevant to what you're just talking about because we Nolani and I've talked about it before like yeah it'd be really great to have a fitness trainer you can meet with a couple times a week to keep you accountable and to keep you motivated yeah but you do that on your own so like what motivates you to live with the kind of discipline that you do um intense amount of discipline like watch yourself like something do I really got to work out today? And then those days that I don't want to go and I go, I end up having like the best workout. Like every time, um, like over this last year, making my videos has been like the biggest motivator to keep me going. If I didn't have those, I probably wouldn't have been, been working out. I probably wouldn't coasting. Right. Um, but the past like relationship them telling me like I was going to be nothing and I will excel at nothing. And I'm I'm that type of person. You tell me I can't do something. I'm going to tell you, fuck you. Like (laughs) I'm going to prove you wrong. And I do. And I do it all the time. I've been told so many people are so quick to tell people you can't do something. Like why? I don't, I don't understand why that's like the first thing somebody has to say to somebody. Mm -hmm. That's your opinion about yourself. Now, you don't know that other person and what they're like. Don't say that to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm very motivated person by uh, I like to prove people wrong. And I like to do the things that are unorthodox and hard (laughs) because I like to push myself because it's like OCR racing. Mm -hmm. Anybody can run a regular pavement run, but you throw in like life challenges at you. You have to get over those damn hurdles to keep moving forward, to keep right. climbing that mountain, right? Right. You're going to cry. You're going to hate life. It's going to be painful. It's going to be mentally and emotionally draining. Um, you're going to lose your damn toenails. <laughs> oh. But when you finish, you will feel like a superhero. Right. Yeah. So you feel like it's like a symbol, symbolic for what you go through in life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I remember doing my first 20 K race and I was like sobbing. (laughs) (laughs) Why do I do this to myself? And then I'm like (laughs) crying down the hill. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. (laughs) And then I get across the line. I'm like, I did it. I'm totally doing another one. It's like birthday. Like it was yeah. terrible without doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the worst experience of my life. And then you're like looking at your baby like, okay, we're doing it again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's totally. So, um, do you believe that nutrition and fitness are forms of therapy and self-respect? 
Absolutely. I feel that like all aspects of health, we need it all. We can't just do exercise and eat like crap. Right. Right. We can't just eat good and silly. Sorry, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, We need like if, yeah, you can eat healthy and take all the vitamins and move your body. But if you're not fixing the shit in your head, yeah, be healthy. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to have it all. You need good sleep. You need to drink your damn water. You need to go and talk to someone like you have to fix that internal health and making sure like everything is running properly. It's a combination of everything. You can't just have one or the other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like full holistic, right? Like it's all, all of it. Yeah. Like mind, body, soul, (laughs) you need it all. Yeah. 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 And like even that social aspect, like, we can't all be hermits either and expect us to be happy either. Right. That's true. And I think definitely the past year and a half has really taught a lot of people that for sure. Like we are definitely community based souls. (laughs) Yeah. We need that Mm -hmm. social aspect of people. Um, I'm only a hugger when it like, it's people that I know, (laughs) but now I'm like, just please give me a hug. (laughs) I just need a hug. one of my friends Jackie she uh she is like when she hugs you it's like she takes your soul like you just feel her soul and she hugs you with like everything and she won't let go until she knows that she's like done (laughs) like okay I just need a little bit longer (laughs) that's so cute yeah so um Nolani had when she introduced you she kind of mentioned that at your one of your sons Evan has type 1 diabetes so how did his diagnosis impact the whole family and how have you grown because of it oh I think out of everything this was the most scariest out of like anything our family's gone through um I remember the day before Evan got sick and I was very odd because we had all my nieces and nephews here. We were having a pizza little party. I was babysitting them all. And uh, Evan ate five pieces of pizza at 10 months old. This is so weird. I knew from the day that boy was born, he was special. I knew it. For in, in my core, there's like that gut mom gut feeling. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Mom's gut feeling trumps anything. Yes. Yes. If Preach you it. have that yeah. gut feeling, something is wrong you keep fighting for it. So Evan was having baby seizures and he would lay, like he loved to lay on like our chest. He would lay on like pop pops or Nana's chest all the time. And my stepdad's like, Rochelle, look at him. And his leg would just shake out of nowhere. And I'm like, that is so weird. He wasn't responding to hearing like to me, like I would like clap really loud. He wouldn't respond to me. And I'm like, out of anybody's voice, he should know mine. So I got him into a pediatrician and she's like, well, you need to get these seizures on video. I need to see them. And I said, well, they're not like, are they seizures? And she's like, with babies, your neurons aren't connected. And I uh, started putting two to two together when you would see a baby crawl. Like you can see them like the motor neurons connecting when they're trying to crawl. Um, And so when babies have a seizure, it might be just one part. It might be just smacking their lips or just like eye movement. It's not a full body seizure like we would see it, right? Uh, he would fill a diaper, first pee, like soaked, completely soaked. And I didn't know anything different because Christopher peed a lot too. He would soak the bed like big time. Right. And then 
after the hearing test come back fine everything come back fine I'm like okay hey, fine then I'm just I'm just a crazy mom here that doesn't know what the frick is going on <laughs> and then uh I am a big holiday person so I always do like go all out for Halloween for us because I like to dress up too and I had all our costumes picked out and Evan was supposed to be this like crawling little zombie guy <laughs> And then the day before, when he started getting sick, the day before Halloween, uh, we were on day five of him being sick. And I come home from work. He smelled different to me. And we, I'm sorry, moms know what their babies smell like. Yeah. yeah. And I said to Colin, something is really wrong. I have like a really bad feeling about this. And he's like, well, I'll check him over. She checked his vitals. Everything was fine. He's like, okay, if he's not feeling better tomorrow, take him to the doctor. He's like, but I'm pretty sure he just has the flu. Um. And then they're probably just going to send you home. I'm like, I don't care. I just want them to look him over. Right. So then I went to the gym that morning and our sitter texted me. She's like, he's not any better. Like he's not even keeping water down. Like there's something really wrong. So I asked her, I'm like, can you take Christopher so I could take him to the clinic? She said, yeah. We walked into the clinic. I'm like, can you take us like right now? She could tell that Evan was really sick. We get into a room and he projectile pukes all over the floor. Like, and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> So then she moved us to another room and I instantly start crying because I, there's something really wrong. So the doctor comes in. He's like, I'm going to find you a pediatrician right now. That little boy is sick and we need to find someone. So he comes back and he says, there is no pediatrician here. So I need you to take him to Stollery right now. I know now not to phone my mom. <laughs> our moms are our safe places. So as soon as I call my mom, I like instantly start to cry. Right. Yeah. And so she's like, it's fine. He's just little, just take him to the hospital. It will be okay. Call me later. So then I get to the stallery. We got there at like two, his hands and feet turned blue and he had puked more. Um, so they got us into the like super fast to triage and IVs and he would saw, but he wouldn't even move when they were doing IVs. He was so dehydrated. They had to use a light under his arm just to see his veins because they couldn't get them in. So I'm texting Colin back and forth. And at that time, he wasn't full time. So if he left, we don't get paid. Right. So he didn't leave work. He's like, do you want me to come? I'm like, well, they, they're just hooking him up to like IV fluids right now. He should be OK. Like, I'll see. And I'm like, if you come, can you please bring me some food? <laughs> so then my phone died. So the doctor had come in and he's like, I don't know what's wrong with your son. I'm like, oh, what? He's like, his blood work is saying he's okay, but it's also saying he's not. So your pH, your blood pH should be about 7.35. His had dropped to 7.0. If you go below that, you do not live no more. Like, that's it. You die. Um, but, and his sugars were about 17. But every, he said he's acting sick, but he's not acting sick. So he says... I'm going to move you to another room. I have three NICU doctors coming down and we're going to try to figure out what's wrong. So I'm like, okay, they move us to another room. And I didn't know that this was a bad room. This is a resuscitation room. So when Colin come in, his face was like white. So I knew about them that it was something really bad. It was like a scene from house. They had both arms pumped full of needles and they were just pumping him through everything that they could. They had a big whiteboard and they wrote down everything that they can possibly think he had uh, from family history to conditions, you name it. Um, 
what he was sick with, like how long he was sick for, and they would just scratch off ideas. And then she said, I think he's in DKA. And I asked Colin, what's that? She said, he said, I think that's uh, diabetic ketoacidosis. And I'm like, well, what's that? She, he said he's diabetic. And I'm like, well, how did I do that? Like, did I cause that? So then Colin left and there was just me, a nurse and one other doctor. And I remember looking at me and saying, does he have any siblings? And I said, yeah. And she's like, how old is he? And I think Christopher was only two at that time, two or three. And I looked at her. I said, did I, did I make him sick? And she said, no, this is not your fault. And she gave me a hug. She said, Rochelle, this was in his genetic DNA before he was even conceived. You did nothing wrong. It was like the most terrifying thing I think I've ever been through in my life. To think that if I didn't bring him in that day, he would have died in his sleep that night. We were so, so lucky. And that mom gut saved his life. Um, she's like, I'm going to pick him up and I want you to get into bed with him. And he's like, just covered in needles and hoses and you name it. And he just like snuggled in and he finally calmed down enough to go to sleep. So they ended up taking us up to the, the pick unit or the NICU. That room is the hardest place to be in because you see so many sick babies, so many sick kids, kids that will not leave because they have cancer or they're like, it's probably the most emotionally draining place I've ever been in. And these kids are still smiling and happy. Um, when Evan was allowed to leave the, like, go walk around and stuff, we took him to the beach, they call it. And it's so hard to see these kids like that. Um, the doctor there made me go home and it was like three in the morning and I was like completely numb. And when I come back the next day after I had a sleep and stuff, I was like, um, it's go time. Like, I don't care what I have to do to take care of him. I will do it. Colin took a little longer than me to like catch up. Um, Colin had um, a lot of like, emo he was very upset thinking because of his job, he should have caught this. And I asked him like, cause we ended up getting into arguments about this. Like I need help. I can't do this all by myself. And he looked at me. He's like, I just want my baby boy back. I don't want him to have to do this. <laughs> I don't want him to have to endure needles and set changes and almost dying in his sleep all the time. This isn't fair. And I'm like, I know it's not, but it is what it is. And we have to keep going. Um, it is probably the hardest disease I ever think that kids would ever have to go to through. Adults have a hard enough time dealing with this. Now, try to explain to a child who can't talk yet why I have to poke him with needles all the time and why I can't give him certain foods and um, why he can't go to, why he gets excluded from things because he's special, right? Or like he thinks right now he can't go to school because I have diabetes. And I'm like, no, that is not it at all. I'm trying to explain to him, your program is not there anymore. It's not you. <laughs> You're going to go to school. Don't worry. Yeah. But even like the lack of help there is for diabetic 
kids in schools, in private daycares, in private schools, like there's nothing. There right. is nothing for them. And it's the most expensive thing to actually go through. And if we didn't have insurance or he wasn't diagnosed the age he was, we wouldn't have never been on the pump program. And we would have literally lost everything because of the cost. Um, we didn't have insurance then either. And we were in the medicine unit. I remember one social worker, she didn't know, she wasn't a part of the diabetes thing. And she come in and she's like, this is going to be expensive. Do you have coverage? If you can't take care of them, we're going to take your baby away. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> so I'm like, call, call. And I'm like, this woman came in here telling us that she's going to take our kid away. And he's like, no. So then about 45 minutes later, um, one of our nurses. So we have a team at this Dollary Diabetes Clinic, a dietitian, endocrinologist, and the nurse social worker. And one of the nurses come to see me and she said, we have a pump already ordered. We ordered it before he was even in the NICU. And I'm like, okay, like, how am I going to afford this? She's like, don't worry. We've already pre-registered you for the pump program. They did everything. And I said, this lady came in here and I gave her the card. She told me that she was going to take Evan away from me. And she's like, no, that is not happening. That is not the right information. And nobody is taking your baby away from you. Um, we ended up having to do uh, a few weeks of diabetes training and then a few weeks of pump training. And I'm glad I had Colin has his medical background and I had my fitness background. Mm -hmm. this is where both of us, when we both changed careers, uh, it was both at the same time. And I feel like life was literally pushing us in that direction, preparing us for this moment. A hundred percent. I was thinking that as you're talking, I'm like, there's nothing more meant to be than having literally a mom in nutrition and a dad in the medical field. Like, yeah, like it is so much so fate and like he absolutely chose you because he knew you guys would know how to take care of him like it's just incredible yeah I I truly believe um I will set the path for both my kids to do something amazing and uh Evan's endocrinologist swears that he will become a doctor one day I don't know. <laughs> he, I think he might become a chef. <laughs> he loves food too much. <laughs> Christopher, maybe. I think Christopher will be something like that or a doctor or vet or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When we left pump That's... training, it was so overwhelming. Like the math calculations you have to do to figure out how much insulin you need to how much carbs you have to eat is crazy. And like so many things we take for granted, like I have to leave. Oh crap. I can't leave. I can't drive nowhere because I have a low blood sugar. Right. Mm -hmm. Or nighttime checks. If I sleep in and miss my alarm, cause I'm exhausted. Cause we have to check Evan at 12 and at 3 AM every day. Not now. Cause we have a different sensor on him right now. Um, am I going to walk into the room and find him dead because he had a low in the middle of the night and they call it dead in bed where diabetics will go to sleep and not wake up. Um, terrifying. 90% of diabetics are scared to exercise because of that, because you'll end up having hypoglycemic lows in the middle of the night. Right. Um, I try to educate so many people on that. Yeah. <laughs> so many people. And so many other trainers that I'm pretty sure my instructors are annoyed by me. 
Because I'm like, oh, diabetes. <laughs> Let's write it. Just what, I feel like that's what you, people need though, right? Like if it's, yes. I mean, we can't worry about annoying people when it's something that needs to change or we know a lot about. And that yeah, even you're doctors passionate about. that are not in endocrinology or don't know about diabetes. <clears throat> I've had doctors ask me all oh, like, is he diabetic? Cause you ate too much sugar while you're pregnant. Um, no. Like the last Evan ended up going into DKA here not that long ago because he will get sick very easily, like very, very easily. Something that we won't get sick, Christopher won't even get it. He will get it very badly. Um, and he ended up going into DKA and the emergency room doctor come to me afterwards and she said, Rochelle, I don't know how you can do this. She's like, I know a lot about the medical field, but your knowledge can help me so much. She's like, I don't even know like your terminology or like your ratios and stuff like that. Like the knowledge you have can help so many people. And she's like, including me. Um, I think there needs to be so much more education. And so many people think there's only just one kind of diabetes and there's not. Uh, I just did a paper on one and there's 11 different kinds. Wow. Yeah. Um, And there's probably even more than that. I'm, part of a few like kids groups where you have like very sick kids mm-hmm. and there's like diabetes with autism there's diabetes and they have like more underlying conditions diabetes with sodium issues celiac if you get celiac it's very common to get another autoimmune disease so you can get diabetes with it and vice versa wow. yeah. oh um i know when you were saying about the doctors not know they're like I don't know when my because my mom had um kidney disease which a lot of people with kidney disease have diabetes as well yeah or vice versa um but whenever we would go into the hospital they're like yeah we have to call the nephrologist we have no idea you know like with I think any kind of special which is nice they do say like I don't know yes um but it's also frustrating just to go into like a regular walk-in clinic or do your family doctor and then be like oh I don't really know what to do here and it's also like I think humbling for them to have to say I don't know I have to consult his endocrinologist right yeah I'd rather a doctor tell me or even a trainer or anybody in that any in the medical field say to me I don't know I will find someone for you and there's things that I don't know so I try to educate myself as best as I possibly can and there's a a doctor that I do follow and, and he has said that like like doctors will go to medical school and it's a huge process to try to even get into medical school. And then after medical school, you do your residency and then you pick your (laughs) specialty and not Mm -hmm. everybody knows everybody else's specialty. And that's why you get referred to like an endocrinologist or like a neurologist, right? Because they don't know. And I think more doctors really need to watch how they say things. (laughs) And, you know, I think that's not even just doctors, right? Like that's, fitness like you probably have your specialty like for me like being a doula there's specialties that I do Nalani mm-hmm. with makeup like that with everything we each have our own specialty that we just need to be humble enough and let our ego go enough to say like that's not my thing but there's someone yeah. else for you that can yeah. help you right I don't do bikini and I don't know how to change compositions with food and eating and what to look for. Right. So I'll direct them to somebody who does, but yeah, I know lots about diabetes and I know lots about like racing and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Right. And I'll leave my specialty to me. <laughs> yeah. But 
if I don't know something, I'm going to make sure I help you find the right person. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, it's an awful thing to go through, but then at the same time, it's like, it's incredible how much it's made you grow as a person and how much you've proven to yourself that like your love can, is boundless because this is what you're able to do because, because of your love for your son. I always say, uh, I wish I went to school earlier, but then I always think about it. I'm like, no, I'm glad I did it now, even though it's like so stressful with kids and like, (laughs) sometimes I want to rip my hair out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the first semester, I think I cried every day. <laughs> oh, why am I doing this? <laughs> but I'm, I think my life experiences and everything that I've gone through has helped me understand. Um, I know that a mom of two, three kids does not have time to go into the gym for two plus hours. Yeah. Like that's not yeah. feasible for them. Like I can hardly get myself to do like a half an hour. Like, right. Yeah. Or they're he's quick to say, make sure you're getting your sleep. Well, yeah. do you have a toddler kicking you in the face? <laughs> no. <laughs> or a toddler that you have to wake up for, right? Like people don't take that that's into right. consideration. Exactly. Um, I have to get like, people are like, well, you got to get adequate sleep. Okay. Well, do you want to come to my house and check on my child twice tonight to make sure he's not dead? Yeah. Yeah. And we've said on a previous podcast, like you can't control your sleep. Like, I mean, yours is a different story, Rochelle, where you have to get up and check his, but like, um, I can't control that Hallie's going to come into my bed four times in a night, like, and have to like continuously bring her back to bed. That happened the other night. And I was just like, what in the sweet Jesus? Like, can we all just go to bed? Like some, (laughs) you can't control that. Like, no. So yeah, get adequate sleep. You know, your sleep hygiene is really important. Yada, yada, yada. But like, Sometimes you just can't control it, right? Yeah. Like that. I so, always, and then it's, but you it's can't control other aspects. Like 20 year old trainers or anything like that. But I remember doing a project with, we got like, I got paired with someone who's like very quite young and they're like, oh, like talk about what, like your relationships and what makes a good relationship and how do you make it work? And they're like, how about we like split the chores up and we split the bills. And I'm like, that <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> welcome to real life that's Um, not how it works no uh I I wish that I could do that but I can't or the no excuses um no that's like I have to have like some sort of balance in here because uh, as soon as I go to try to go to the gym somebody's got to go poop you're like let me get just reach in my back pocket here and reach out all of my excuses (laughs) (laughs) I got a lot of them right understanding compassion and they need to have somebody that that gets it that understands what it's like to be a parent that understands what it's like to go through uh ptsd and stress and postpartum depression and anxiety and like all that crap and it's it could be a lot and they need to have someone that just gets it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whew. I mean, you're definitely in the right field of work. <laughs> I know I could like, I just want her to like, tell me all the things. <laughs> Katie, this is what you need to do. <laughs> so, um, Rochelle, like, I mean, you have some diagnoses as, a, as well, right? Like, cause you're diagnosed ADHD. What else? Uh, ADHD, PTSD, OCD, uh, depression, anxiety. Uh, okay. I got All diagnosed things. with ADHD and partial dyslexia when I was nine. And luckily I had a mom who 
was paying attention because girls are not usually diagnosed early on. We are usually diagnosed after pregnancy because all of the crazy comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Into the choir. Uh, My mom knew something was up uh, at a very young age and um, she fought, she fought so hard for me to get the Mm -hmm. help that I needed. And um, when I got diagnosed, it had to be diagnosed at the university and it had to be signed off by four different kinds of doctors. Um, And my mom chose a natural route instead of medication because we did try medication and it was, I could tell like, I'm like, I feel like this medication is not for me. Right. It's for everybody else to handle me. Right. It's not for me. And she chose an alternative route so we had a hair analysis done on me, uh, our chiropractor. And I know so many people have so much misconceptions about this, but um, the, all they wanted to know was my birth date and if I was male or female. That is it. That's it. They knew we had a pulp mill. They knew we had too much zinc and iron in our water. They knew I had knee issues. They knew I didn't digest my food properly. And if you're not digesting your food properly, guess what's not getting the nutrients? Right. For proper brain development. Right. So they suggested a bunch of vitamins, uh, reduced my sugar intake, uh, no dairy. And with the enzymes, don't drink, don't drink dairy with enzymes or you'll blow your butt off. (laughs) 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 Um, and then I ended up going to a new school. I ended up going to Percy Baxter and I met, uh, Mrs. Baxter and she, uh, was an amazing woman. With in six months, I went from a grade two reading level to a grade 10 reading level within six months, just from those changes. Um, they did huge work with me, but then once I went to high school, if you don't make the school money, they put you back in regular class and well knowing that you will not be successful. Yeah. Right. And I had a very difficult time in school. Uh, once I got to high school and when you have a difficult time in school, you don't want to be there. Right? right. Especially when you're like, well, I'm trying, my brain is just not working properly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I'm like, and they just think you're being lazy and yeah. you're not right. Exactly. My mom was so patient with me. Um, my, my real dad, not so much, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a struggle big time. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn a lot of coping mechanisms and a lot of traits that I still do right now to help mm-hmm. me. And right, even with my own studying right now, yeah. somebody who could just read something and remember it, I can't, I have to read it, print it out, highlight it, mark it all like neat and <laughs> color yes. coordinated <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to understand it. And then yeah. go back 5,000 other times to fully understand it. Right. And do you feel like that's kind of affected how you parent too? Like, um, um, I think some of it has helped uh, with how I parent, but I have, um, from my ADHD, I have a lot of mood instability. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I get very frustrated or anxious, uh, I blow up, right? Um, and I, I always sit down and try to talk. I talk to Christopher and I've been quite a bit about this. And like, if mommy is feeling overwhelmed, I need you to calm down and I need you to either leave the room and go play with toys. Um, I, I let the boys, I try to teach them as much as possible to express their feelings and how they're feeling. Yeah. Uh, especially with Christopher. Cause he is so much like I am. Right. His, 
laughing and like wants to make everybody happy is like way up here but when he's in a low it is very low okay so I try to make sure I am very much there for him and his feelings matter and it's okay to express them and if you need to go scream in the pillow go scream in the pillow yeah yeah <laughs> it's not easy most of the time I'm wearing headphones listening to meditation music and I'm like looking over and they're like WWF fighting over there <laughs> Oh my gosh. But I can't keep telling them like, shh, quiet. They need to be children too. Right. Which is hard though when you're feeling like overwhelmed, right? With the noise. Like I'm a noise, like noise is instantly like, I'm like, like Mm. feel my twitch coming on. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) My eyes starts to twitch. I'm like, "Ah." (laughs) and it can be a happy noise. It can be them laughing, right? Like it doesn't have to be like them screaming, crying. It can just be like them running around laughing. And I'm just like, right and I I think that's not talked about enough in parenthood is like there are parents who have um you know executive function issues or just even sensory issues and stuff like that and it's so important to know that like you're not a bad parent just because like yeah like Katie said like happy noises might make you cringe you know what I mean because it's just too much for your senses and like that there are, are things to do to like help with that so I think it's like a powerful thing to be able to share with people yeah, that you know. So I, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. There's lots oh, you of said share, there. and I was like, oh, what should she share with the world? But you can finish <laughs> your sentence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, if there's one message you could share with the world, what would you share? Um, don't settle and don't live a what if life. If mm. there's something that Ooh. you want to do, do it. If you fail, who cares? Pick yourself back up. And try something else. You are allowed to have more than one passion in your life. Uh, I will never live a what if life anymore. No, I don't care if I fail at it. I'll keep trying as best as I can um, to succeed. (laughs) Change the world one person at a time. Yes. Oh, I love that. So where can our listeners find you, Rochelle? Uh, my main page would be on Instagram at uh, Delmarie Misfit Academy uh, or and I have a YouTube channel full of free workouts. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, it's at the I think it's at the same. My link is in my Instagram bio. Okay. Yeah. So how long are those? My workouts? They're yeah. between 15 minutes up to oh. an hour, depending on like the okay. type of stuff. Yeah. You can choose your weights. You can choose uh, how many sets you do. If something is too difficult, I can, you can always like message me and I'll modify it. I can progress it if you want to as well. <laughs> That's incredible. I think it's, I, I always say this to you, but I'm like, it's so amazing that you offer that. Oh, it is for sure. Like that free resource. Like, yes. I felt that at, like, especially through all of this and the gyms being closed, some everybody just needed some help. So many people are so greedy that they just need to, like, I understand everyone's going to make an income, but sometimes yeah. you can just help people too. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Some people just need a little help. <laughs> Whew. Just full of the wisdom here today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we appreciate you being here today and sharing all these vulnerable topics with, with everyone and just being real. It, it means a lot. Yeah, I hope I help someone and I hope that somebody takes some of my rambling. 
<laughs> as inspirational. <laughs> oh, they will for sure. Yeah, they will. They will. So thank you, Rochelle. Yes, anytime. All right, we'll see you guys next week.